Good morning, everybody. Hey, welcome to River Glen. Great to be together with you. Thanks so much for carving out some time to be here. Before I get started, I want to just mention that we had a fantastic weekend for Easter. Great celebration last weekend. Thank you so much for volunteering and inviting people. You can see God showed up and uh, uh, reflected in the numbers uh, here. And uh, eight baptisms, we love that. Would you just join me? Let's give God a big hand for uh, last weekend. Yeah. And uh, 26 baby chicks. I don't know if you saw the baby chicks in the lobby. Maybe the biggest miracle. We started out with 26 and we ended with all 26. <laughs> Easter miracle right there. Yeah. All right. I'm going to make an assumption as we get started with this new series. I think it's a safe assumption that everybody here uh, values relationships. I think that we would all say relationships are more important than success. People are more important than Possessions, You know the old, uh, the old, the old saying, uh, help me out, no one on their deathbed ever said, oh, I wish I would have spent more time at the office. Yeah, you got it. We crave connection. We long for love. God designed us for relationships. But I think we would also agree that for many of us, our relationships are not all that we want them to be. We dream of more for our marriages and families. We, we, we desire more meaningful friendships. We want to find the love of our life. We want a closer relationship uh, with God. In short, we want all our relationships to be awesome. And you know what? God wants us to have awesome relationships too. One time Jesus was asked, what's the most important commandment of all? And Jesus responded that all of God's teachings are based on loving him and loving other people. He said, everything in the Bible, did you know this? Every command in the entire story of the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, is all about loving God and loving other people. And so if we really want to have awesome relationships, it starts with deciding to love God with all our heart and loving others the way that we love ourselves. It really starts with us deciding to be awesome. In his best-selling book, Love Does, Bob Goff suggests that we have a new mission statement. And uh, here it is. Here, here's our new mission statement. Be Awesome. Yeah, but rather than wearing that on a, on a wristband or on a sweatshirt, he suggests maybe we put that on an undershirt where nobody can see it, but it reminds us every day that to have awesome relationships, we first need to decide to be awesome ourselves. And so I'm really excited because we're going to spend five weekends looking at what God has to say about what it means for us to be awesome in our most important uh, relationships. This is going to be a really a helpful series, and I hope that you'll make sure that you're here all five weekends, and think about who you can invite to come with you. And if you're not in a small group, great time to join a group. We're launching new awesome groups on Thursday night at 6.30 in the lobby. Just show up at the fireplace at 6.30. We'll have a group for you where you can dig deeper into this subject and connect in, in relationships with some other uh, people. Today we're going to begin uh, by talking about having an awesome marriage. And I know some of you here are not married but you desire to get married one day. And I hope that this talk kind of jumpstarts you to prepare yourself for an awesome marriage later on in your life. Or maybe you're here and you're not married and you have no intention of ever getting married. This is still an important talk because these principles I'm going to share with you uh, have a broader application to all of our relationships. And if you're not married, I want to ask for your help today. As I talk about how to develop an awesome marriage, I want you to, to just look around and to pray for the, for the couples and to pray for the families uh, here uh, because sometimes marriage is not awesome. 
Sometimes it's like this. That's not how you fold the towels. It doesn't matter how you fold a towel. It does matter how you fold a towel. If you want it to fit in the closet, you have to roll it. Could you chew any louder? This goes on here. It takes two seconds. Well, then the next person who comes in will do it. That's not the point. The toilet paper goes over. It's printed that way so you could see it. No, the toilet paper goes under so that the cats don't get at it. That makes no sense. What do you want to get for dinner? I don't really care. Then just pick something. You choose. Told you. Shut up. I don't see why I have to put the utensils face down. Because when they're sticking up like that, if someone trips and falls, they're gonna impale themselves and die. That's literally the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I'm not playing this game where I list every single thing and you shoot it all down. I'm not doing this again. Well, then I don't know what to tell you. Oh my gosh, watch this. This is the best line. Did you watch this without me? You weren't home! Seriously, six more inches and it's in the sink. Well, then put it in six more inches. <sighs> I get it. Anything will be fine. It's fine. food. Fine. All right, we're gonna get pizza. Anything but pizza. What do you want to eat? That is Bill Paxton. It is Bill Pullman. Bill Paxton was in Aliens. That is Bill Paxton. That is him. Game over, man. That is that man right there. Why am I gonna put him away? I'm wearing him tomorrow morning. I don't care if you're wearing them tomorrow morning. I don't want them just sitting by my side of the bed all night. Why do you do this? You squeeze from the bottom. The next person doesn't have to squeeze then. It's toothpaste. It's not like it's hard to squeeze it from a new area on the tube. Why are we fighting about this? Why are we fighting about this? I, why are we fighting about this? I'm sorry. I shouldn't have made you make the decision. That being said, I think your original call of pizza is fine. Just no pepperoni. <clears throat> it's uh, scary to me how many of those conversations uh, Marnie and I have had. Anybody else relate to any of those conversations? Oh, yeah. Here's the truth. Many of us know, we don't like to admit it, conflict, if you're married, conflict is inevitable because there are differences. We're all imperfect. We're sinners. That means that we have weaknesses. We have flaws. We have broken habits which make marriage very difficult. Pastor Rick Warren puts it this way. He says, marriage doesn't solve your problems. Uh, marriage does not create, create your problems. Marriage reveals problems, right? And as those problems are revealed, conflict is inevitable. But please understand, conflict is not bad. And conflict is not just normal. Conflict is good. Conflict can be healthy. Sure, conflict creates stress in the short term, you know, when you clash with your spouse. But those conflicts weed out problems. Those conflicts can help us better understand each other and build a more fulfilling, stronger marriage in the long haul. Came across this list of five areas, five top areas where couples have uh, conflict. Money, housework, physical intimacy, in-laws, free time. Would you agree, those of you that are married, that, that many couples argue? Give me a nod of the head if you think so about these uh, uh, areas. And so if you find yourself, you know, on this list, realize you're not uh, uh, alone. And if you're sitting here with your uh, in-laws right now, I'm sorry for creating an awkward moment. That's my bad. Okay. I'm sure your in-laws are wonderful, maybe awesome. 
Uh, my wife, Marnie, and I, we've been married 29 years, and it surprised me because one of the areas where we have tended to have conflict made the list. Yeah, pretty much every year we go on vacation in the uh, Smoky Mountains in Tennessee with uh, Marnie's uh, family, and they're awesome. Uh, they're great. We love hanging out with them. But sometimes we have difficulty, Marnie and I do, deciding what to do uh, with our free time. Sometimes married couples have different preferences when it comes to schedules. Sometimes one spouse is a morning uh, person, and uh, that would be me uh, right here. Uh, I, I can't help it. I just wake up early on vacation. I wake up early, and I don't just wake up early. I've got energy. I want to get going, you know, and I want to do stuff. I want to see things. I want to I want to maybe go on a hike or, or just seize the day, right? Marnie, on the other hand, prefers sleeping later, uh, relaxing by the pool for hours and hours, um, sipping iced tea. Uh, you, you get the idea. We clash. We clash a little bit on vacation when we have free time. And neither one of us is right or wrong. These are just differences, John Gottman is probably the, the, the leading marriage researcher in our nation right now. And here's what he says about, about conflict in marriage. Most of the conflict in marriage, 70% of the conflict in marriage is not one person's right, one person's wrong. It's just a matter of opinion. It's, it's just differences. And these differences and preferences that we have in marriage about money, sex, housework, in-laws, or, or whatever topic it might be, we don't just resolve them and we're done and move on. No, the conflict is ongoing. It cycles back. It's perpetual. And how you deal with ongoing conflict is going to determine the future of your marriage. Dr. Billy Graham was once asked the secret of staying married to his wife Ruth for 54 years. Somebody asked him, they said, you know, what is the secret of staying in love and married to the same woman for 54 years? And Dr. Graham said, here's... Here's what he said. he said. He said, Ruth and I are just happily incompatible. Isn't that great? You know, conflict is not something we just deal with and we're done with it. No, it's ongoing. And you know what? That's what an, that's what an awesome marriage looks like. Happily incompatible. After four decades of studying couples, Dr. Gottman has, has found that the number one predictor of divorce is not conflict. And it's not incompatibility. Here's what it is. Here's what causes divorce unresolved conflict that leads to feelings of contempt. It's not conflict itself. Unresolved conflict that leads to feelings of contempt. One of Gottman's researchers uh, put it this way. I, I thought this was fascinating. Relationships die by ice rather than fire. Some couples eventually stop trying to dialogue. They find working on key conflicts to be too difficult or painful. They give up. They grow more distant and live more like roommates rather than spouses. That is so true. And I guess that means that if you're married and you're still fighting, you know what, you've got a fighting chance. Every married couple has conflict. Every married couple has irreconcilable differences. Morning person, not a morning person, whatever it is. I believe that learning how to deal with conflict is probably the most important skill that you can develop to have an awesome marriage. We're not going to resolve all the conflict, but we need to learn how to navigate conflict in a loving and healthy way. And so what we need today, more than anything else, I think can be summed up in one word. We need to be aware. We need to be aware. First of all, we need to be spiritually aware. Now, that may be something you would expect to hear in church, but hang with me because we don't, we don't talk about this enough. This is 
This is critically important. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you may have life and have abundant life. And this applies to marriage. Jesus says, there's a thief. He's talking about the evil one. He's talking about Satan himself. And he wants to steal. He wants to kill. He wants to destroy your marriage. But sometimes in the midst of ongoing conflict in a marriage, we get confused and we think our enemy is our spouse. But our spouse is not the enemy. Probably one of the best pieces of marriage advice that I have ever received is this. When you have a conflict between you and your, and your spouse, the best way to handle that is to sit side by side on the couch with the problem in front of you rather than sitting face to face with the problem between you. Does that make sense? The very physical act of sitting side by side with the problem in front of you is going to help you address it, all right, rather than putting it between you. It helps you realize neither of you is the problem. Neither of you is the enemy. In his letter to the church at Ephesus, Paul puts it this way. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. We're not fighting our spouse. That's not what this is about. We're fighting against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Now, I know that may sound a little bit spooky, but you need to know, whether you like it or not, there is a force outside of your marriage that is opposed to you loving your spouse the way that God wants you to love your spouse. There is an enemy that wants to destroy your relationship. There is a darkness that is dead set against you having an awesome marriage. And when you recognize it, that can be a game changer because then you can come together with God's help and, and, and fight a common enemy together. Because our enemy, he doesn't want you to enjoy intimacy in your marriage. Our enemy doesn't want your kids to grow up in a home where they see a mom and dad loving each other. Our enemy doesn't want the outside world to see how two Jesus followers can have an awesome marriage. The enemy knows that awesome marriages reflect the gospel and attract more people to follow Jesus. And so the enemy is going to do everything within his power to try to rip the two of you apart. And that's why a couple verses later, Paul tells us how to protect our marriages. He says, with this in mind, this enemy, be alert and always, look at this, Keep on praying. Prayer has power to strengthen and protect your marriage. It's true that the, the couple that prays together stays together. Even just a short, simple prayer can make a huge difference protecting and uniting your marriage and making it awesome. We need to be spiritually aware, but we also need to be self-aware. Because it's easy for us to respond to conflict in a negative way. That destroys, that, that, that destroys the marriage and we don't even know it. We don't even see it. It's a blind spot. And so I want you to do some honest self-evaluation, some honest self-assessment. Dr. Gottman over the last 40 years has identified four behaviors that make resolving conflict very difficult and actually lead to divorce. He calls these the four horsemen of the apocalypse. That comes from the book of Revelation in the New Testament because he calls them the four horsemen because these behaviors can indicate the end is near for the marriage. And so if you see any of these in yourself, you need to deal with them ASAP. Number one is criticism. He makes a distinction between criticism and complaining. Complaining says, hey, you didn't take out the garbage like I asked. Criticism says, you never help out around here. What's the matter with you? What's wrong with you? Are you deaf? 
Criticism attacks their personality and their character. Number two is defensiveness. You refuse to take responsibility for your issue. I don't have a problem. I'm not the problem. And if I'm not the problem, who does that, who does that mean? Who does that leave as, as the problem? You, you deflect to your spouse. And then number three is stonewalling, where we don't speak to the problem or the person. We pretend it's not there. We just tune out and turn away. According to research, men are far more likely to do this. When it comes to stonewalling and withdrawing, 85% of the time, it's the husband. And this leads to the fourth one. And Dr. Gottman says, we need to guard against this one above all the rest. And number four is contempt. Contempt conveys disgust. And it is the number one predictor of divorce. It's indicated by eye rolling and sarcasm. And it makes it almost impossible to resolve differences. And it creates more conflict. Well, I wonder, do you see yourself, do you see any of these in yourself? You know, I've seen all four of these in me. And if you see any of these, you need to deal with it ASAP. Here's my suggestion for for dealing with, with these four. I believe there's a deeper issue here. And I believe underneath the, the uh, four horsemen, uh, believe it or not, here's what we do. We put our spouse on a pedestal. Because we believe our spouse is going to fix our hurts and fill our heart and make us happy. And when our spouse falls short of those expectations, we feel deeply disappointed. But making our spouse pay for our disappointment, that's never a good idea. The real answer is to allow self-awareness to drive us to the only one who can fix our hurts and fill our, fill our hearts. And uh, the writer of the Psalms reminds us that God, God is the one who heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And as we begin to draw closer to God, he begins working in our life. He begins healing our heart and, and filling in our heart and fixing our hurts. And that makes us less demanding on our spouse and more able to navigate conflict in a loving and healthy way. So here's what we need to do. We need to put God on the pedestal instead of our spouse. And so we've got to be spiritually aware and we've got to be self-aware to have an awesome marriage. But we also need to be relationally aware. And what we need to do, we need to develop some skills. We need to practice skills so that together as a couple, we navigate marriage in a healthy and loving way. For example, Dr. Gottman says you're going to have much more success navigating conflict in marriage if you use a soft startup rather than a harsh startup. He found, I thought this was fascinating, he found that discussions in marriage almost always end on the same note as they began. You ever heard this before? Discussions, conflict in marriage almost always end on the same note as they began. And so if you start an argument too harshly in in attack mode, you'll end up with at least as much tension as you began with. Harsh startups start with statements like, you never, you always, or you jerk. All of us have experienced harsh startups, right? How do you feel when somebody speaks harshly to you? It puts you on the defensive, right? Soft startups are so much more helpful. Soft startups begin with, this is how I feel about the situation right now. This is what I really need in this situation right now. We take ownership of our feelings. We we begin to describe how whatever is happening is affecting us 
and uh, making us feel. Maybe it would help to see an example, a demonstration of this skill. And so I invited some friends, uh, Steve and Sue Vock, to come on out. And they're going to role play a soft startup versus a harsh startup. Steve and Sue are just uh, great leaders in our church. Uh, awesome uh, couple, and I'm sure they never have any differences, but they're really good with uh, role-playing. And so we're going to do two takes. First take, we're going to do the harsh startup. And this is just one example, and it can go either way, okay? Sue's going to go ahead and demonstrate the harsh startup. Steve, you never even think about dinner. How come I always had to figure out what we're going to eat every night? Oh, so dinner's my responsibility? I do all kinds of things around here you don't help with. Now I'm in charge of dinner. Great. All right, that's the harsh startup. How did Steve respond to that? Harshly. <laughs> he got defensive. And very often, that's the way it works. You know, we use a harsh startup in a conflict in marriage, and we don't really get the result that we want because it puts the other person on the defensive. That was the harsh startup. All right, let's try the uh, soft startup. Sue, so go ahead and demonstrate. Hey, Steve, it feels a little overwhelming to have to figure out what we're going to have for dinner. So after I've been at work all day, I'm not really... I can I see where you're coming from. Uh, it's not really natural for me to cook, but maybe we should put a schedule together and I'll pitch in. Wow, I think we got this solved. <laughs> Great job. Let's give them a hand. Yeah. Thanks for being good sports. And I know that was just a role play and one example, and it can go, you know, either way. But do you see the difference a soft startup can make? Relationally aware people practice this skill. And Gottman's research also confirms what the Bible's already told us. Maybe some of you, as you were watching, you, you, you remember this scripture from Proverbs chapter 15. God's word says, a gentle answer turns away wrath. A harsh word stirs up anger. Scripture says, use a soft Startup. Use a gentle startup, and that'll help you navigate conflict in a loving and healthy uh, way. Relationally aware people also remember that as a couple, we are on the same team. And so, when I'm in a, a conflict with, with my with my spouse, you know, my goal is not to just is not just to get my way. Uh, my goal is to strive for a team win. Because when 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 a man and a woman get united in marriage. God takes the two of them and makes them one. And so we're on the same team. A team win means sometimes I get my way and my desire. And then sometimes Marnie gets her way and her desire. But either way, we both still win because we're on the same team. You know, I'll give you an example. A few years ago, I decided when we're on vacation, I need to work a little more on striving for a team win. Every year... Marnie and our kids and some family members, they have this tradition. They, they, pick, this, uh, they pick a day and they go to this, this uh, pancake restaurant that's uh, very popular uh, for a late, a late breakfast. And uh, I usually just skip it just for selfish reasons. I don't want to wait that long for, for breakfast. But a few years ago, I decided, you know what, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to strive for the team win here. I'm going to go along. And so I went and the food was awesome. <laughs> and uh, I could see why they go. And uh, it was worth the wait. But more importantly, we had a blast uh, together. And uh, we created some memories and a new tradition, you know, as a couple and as a family. And I learned it helps navigate conflict and differences when I strive for a team win. Apostle Paul talks about the team win in Philippians. He says, make my joy complete by being 
like-minded, having the same love. Look at this. Being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. In other words, sometimes you get your way. Sometimes your spouse gets her way. But either way, it's a team win for both of you. And you know what? It's also a win for God. And so be one in spirit. Be one in mind. And then relationally aware people, they learn to see the good in others. They focus on gratitude. They express gratitude. One study at Harvard found a strong association between expressing gratitude and greater levels of happiness. And as they studied these couples, they found that that those who took time to express, to express appreciation not only felt more positively about their spouse, about their, about their partner, they also felt more comfortable navigating conflict. Now, they didn't say gratitude eliminates conflict, but those who express appreciation deal with conflict better. And again, research backs up what God's word already said. Back in Philippians here in chapter 4, Paul says, Finally, brothers and sisters, or husbands and wives, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Paul says, think about it. Think about how your marriage could benefit from expressing more gratitude. I mean, everybody likes to be thanked, right? Nobody's ever said, please don't thank me. It makes me feel terrible. No. It it, it feels great. It's contagious. How do you think your marriage or any relationship would benefit if you kept a gratitude journal on that other person? What if every day you wrote down one quality that you're grateful for in that other person? Imagine if your spouse did that for a week or a month and you got to read that. What would that do for your relationship? Gottman's research found that if couples will just take five minutes a day, five minutes a day to express appreciation, it'll make a major difference in the marriage uh, relationship. Now, I want to point out one more finding in Gottman's research because I I feel like it'd be irresponsible of me to not do so. Gottman says that the best thing couples can do is a six-second kiss every day. And Marnie and I have been practicing that all week, and, and it is true. It really is. So if you don't do the gratitude journal, if that doesn't work out for you, just kiss a lot, all right? You'll be okay. Spiritually aware, self-aware, relationally aware, and that's going to help you navigate conflict and build an awesome marriage. Now, I know uh, some of you walked in here today feeling good about your marriage. Maybe your marriage is in a good place, and that's great. But maybe what we talked about today could take your marriage from good to awesome if you would put these things into practice. Maybe some of you walked in here today just feeling unsure whether your marriage is even going to make it. You're feeling hopeless. I want to say to you, man, there's hope. There's always hope. God is a God of hope. God is a God who can do miracles. And we have seen many uh, marriages on the brink of destruction, on the brink of, 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 of divorce, and God breathes life into those marriages and makes them new. Listen to this uh, story from a couple in our church. Hi, I'm Trish Kerbis, and I've been going to River Glen for about a year now. Hi, I'm Bill Kerbis. I've been going to River Glen for almost two years now. Uh, we've been married for 24 years now uh, at this point. Uh, 
when we started having issues, we realized that um, that was like three years ago. And we realized that we actually kind of forgot about each other. We were too busy with work and our kids and everything that we kind of forgot. We figured our marriage was on autopilot. I think we just thought we would get through it, that everything would just work itself out because we've been married for over 20 years and you just said, okay, we're just going through a rough patch. It's a rough day, a rough week, rough month, but everything will turn itself around at some point in time. And we just couldn't get it to turn around. It came to a point when I couldn't handle it anymore and I decided to leave after 22 years split our family right in half. My oldest daughter, or our oldest daughter, came with me and the youngest stayed home with Bill. So we were making our own way. We found an apartment, I got a new job, my daughter got a new school. And then it was January 4th of 2016, she came to work and we had already filed the paperwork to get divorced. We had a date for February to finalize our divorce and I said to her we were finishing up the paperwork because we had to do stuff from our taxes and that and I remember because I guess God kept in my head kept you know ask her ask her and I finally said to her we were in our office together I said is this what you want to do and she started crying and it started the whole process of going forward when I was at River Glen they had a series and they were talking about marriage and stuff and they had talked about the marriage mentoring program and I brought that up because she had said that we needed counseling and I agreed. And I said, by the way, River Glen has a, a marriage mentoring program. And then we called up and or sent an email and started the process of going through it. And that wasn't an easy thing to do. No. I mean, we had a lot of ground to cover, uh, to give back to, to bring our family back together. So our youngest daughter, decided that since God had brought us back together, she wanted to dedicate herself. So on her 16th birthday, you can talk <laughs> on her 16th birthday, she got baptized. So that was just you know something kind of bring us full circle, which together again. I'd like to say everything's rosy, but it's not. Marriage is not easy. You have to work at it every day. You know, we did the autopilot thing and saw where that got us. So now we just have to take little steps each day, whether it's sending a text or a quick phone call, whatever. We just have to work on us. Yeah, you, have to, you almost have to stop sometimes because you get going where everything else becomes more important than your marriage because you're dealing with a business, kids, life in general, and you just have to say stop. You know, it starts with the two of us first, and then you have to get back to that and then work on that and go forward again. It just takes that first step just to ask for help. And that's the hardest part because you think you've been together so long, you know it all, you know this person, they know you, you don't need somebody else to get involved. But you know what, it's nice to have somebody else look at it and look at it with the help of God. And have people pray for you. Yeah, have people pray for you. It's amazing. Isn't that a great story? I love that story. Yeah. 
And we've heard many, many stories like that. People go through marriage mentoring and we get great feedback and we hear stories of God working in amazing ways. If you want to find out more about marriage uh, mentoring, we put the link in the, printed on the outline in your program. You go to our website or you can just go to the connect wall after the service. There's people there that would love to tell you more about marriage uh, mentoring. Our, our leaders of the uh, marriage mentoring wanted me to make sure that I tell you that it's not just for couples on the brink of divorce. It's actually designed for any couple. Maybe your marriage is good. You know, this would help make it awesome. And that's what God wants for every, uh, every couple is an awesome marriage. And so I want to invite you to take a moment as I pray and ask God to help us build awesome marriages starting today. You know, we don't normally do this, um, but I want to take a little bit of a risk. And I want to ask everybody if you'd close your eyes. And if you're with your, your spouse right now, would you go ahead and just reach over and join hands with your spouse as I pray. God, we invite you to help us create an awesome marriage. Help us to remember to keep the enemy the enemy and to remember that our marriage is worth fighting for. God, help, help us each to become more self-aware about what we bring into the marriage from our places of, of disappointment and pain and hurt. And help us to work through our, our conflicts with soft startups, striving toward a team win, and with an awareness of what is good, true, and admirable in each other. God, as a, as a faith community, help us to be a church that encourages and supports husbands and wives to keep the promises that they have made. And with your help, Father, we commit to creating an awesome marriage. In Jesus' name, amen. As we get ready to share communion, I want you to think about Something that communion and marriage share in common. Both of them reflect the gospel. The gospel is the good news that Jesus died on the cross, went to the grave, came back to life and loves every single person as is. And the bread and the juice of communion reflect the gospel. And so does, and so does marriage because when we love our spouse as is, with flaws, with uh, differences, we not only build an awesome marriage, we reflect the gospel and we attract more people uh, to follow uh, Jesus. And so we invite everyone to share communion. If communion is new to you and, and you want to take a pass on it, that's fine. But our communion is open to followers of Jesus to once again remember what Jesus has done uh, for all of us.